Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading today is from Ephesians 5, 14 through 20. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Mercury Hall is not that bad of a spot, is it, guys? It's not that bad, especially on a day like today, beautiful weather. I mean, it's hard to beat Texas in November. Um, We are walking through the book of Ephesians as a church family. Uh, We're doing that through our messages on Sunday as well as our, we have these daily reading prompts that we're getting every single morning as we're walking through each chapter uh, one week at a time. We're now in our fifth week and are looking at our fifth uh, chapter in the book of Ephesians. And this, this book really is an ancient letter It's a letter written by an individual, a man named Paul, to a church in in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. And the way that we read and understand this book is it's primarily broken in two halves. You have the, the first half, which is Paul really describing what God has done in Christ, and the second half is Paul explaining how we should respond, and that order for me really, really matters. That's really important to me uh, because what we find in our life is quite often what we do in the Christian lifestyle precedes what we know to be true about Christ. And one of the ways I understand that is that the Christian life is, a, is not a life uh, for, it's a life from. And this is what I mean by that is uh, we don't live for God's acceptance. We live from that acceptance. We don't live to have this, hopefully maybe God will delight in us. Maybe God will be okay with us. We actually live from the gracious smile of a loving God. We don't live for God's grace. We live from it. So our motivation, our, our, motiv- our motivation to live well is is because we've already been made right with God. We don't have to strive to prove, to earn or achieve anything from from God. We actually respond to it. Our motivation in this life is we are motivated by the unconditional love of God. This is why Paul begins uh, the first half of this whole letter just detailing what it means for us to know and experience God's love in Jesus And even here in this fifth chapter, he starts it off with these words, as we heard Luann read. Uh, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Because that's who you already are. You're dearly loved. You're God's beloved child. And so, therefore, follow, follow God's example. 
and walk in the way of love, just as Christ has loved and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So this is our calling. Uh, Our calling as people um, who uh, know and love Jesus is we're to follow Jesus and walk in the way of love. That's what Paul seems to be saying here. Uh, We are called to live in such a way as dearly loved children. So in the second half of this letter, we then find out what does it mean to actually and practically follow that way, follow Jesus, live in the way of love. And what we find here is that, um, is that we're called to live differently. So in this chapter, we find that Paul is instructing the church to live differently because how we use our words, how we use and treat our enemies, what we do with our finances, our sex life even, our affections, this all matters because we are hopefully reflecting who Christ is. We have been set free to reorient our lives into a different way and too easily we can slip back into a way of living that doesn't reflect the love and the way of Jesus. And what's been interesting is, as I've been reading through this fifth chapter, is there's a surprising byproduct that we find uh, when we don't follow Jesus's way of love. And we find in the middle of this chapter is a byproduct of this is that we fall asleep, that we, have a, we go into the spiritual slumber, In the middle of Ephesians 5, there's a quote that Paul cites, and many people believe that this quote was uh, from a hymn that the church was singing, just like we just sang. They they have their own songs, and so they were, uh, Paul here is reciting one of those lines that said, wake up, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So just for a second, imagine 2,000 years ago, modern-day Turkey, a a church family gathering and singing a song that says, hey, wake up, you're falling asleep, get out of the grave, you're not dead. I mean, kind of a weird song, right? Um, but there's, there's a something to it. There's a spiritual reality that we find in that. The, the spiritual reality is that there's a principle at work here. And the principle is this, is that we are people who have a tendency to fall asleep. There is this something in the human condition that works against being uh, experienced spiritual vitality. There's an undertow that seems to work against us. It does not come naturally to remain spiritually awake, alive, and vibrant. It takes intention. It takes effort. I was talking to a friend this week about that. And he actually said, that's actually, Mark, that's the, uh, that's the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, which, you know, for me, it's history cred went way up. Um, Jim Stafford, thank you, Jim Stafford. But I said, okay, what is that? And he said, it's actually that if things are left alone, they decay. And now that's not only a reality for thermodynamics, but it's also a spiritual reality that there is, when things are left alone, when our hearts and souls have been left alone, there's a tendency for them to decay, to fall apart. There's a spiritual slumber to it. And you know what I'm talking about. Though you might have a spiritual experience early in the morning, five minutes into your first Zoom conversation, it seems to have faded away. Or you go off and you have that experience, that spiritual epiphany in some retreat or some mountaintop experience, and then it seems like when you get back to the rest of your life, it falls away. Why is that the case? That's what I've been thinking about this, this week. 
Why is it that we have a tendency to fall asleep when we don't see the gifts of life? We don't appreciate the grace of God. That very firm truth that just awakened our soul a couple days later seems like just an old faded rerun. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Maybe it's Maybe it's because we have a, there's a numbing in our daily routines. Maybe it's because of our devices that pull us out of the present moment. Maybe it's because this is the prevailing conflict that our lives are existing and that gets us out of the sense of joy. Maybe, like I've noticed in my own self, uh, the habit of vicariously living through stories of people I see in TV and movies, or even trying to live through social media. There's a hundred of, hundreds of different ways that we fall asleep, but we need something to wake us up. And I actually have a solution. I think it's Bill Murray. Are there any other Bill Murray fans out there? Come on, people. One of my favorite people in the world is Bill Murray. He is a hero of mine, not only because I, th- I find him really, really funny, Life Aquatic of Steve Zissou, one of my favorites. But he also is just a quirky person in real life. You know, um, he is known to do some crazy things. There are um, whole websites that are all about just people telling their, their Bill Murray stories. There's a, there's a documentary about what the, these, these crazy things that he does in normal everyday life to people, ordinary people like you and I. So for, here's a couple stories. So for instance, imagine that you're in a karaoke bar and you and your friends, you rent one of those rooms, a private room, so you can sing karaoke with your buddies. And somewhere along the night, the door opens up. You expect it to be a waiter or waitress. And then all of a sudden, Bill Murray walks in, uninvited. He just walks in, acts like it's normal, sits down, and waits for his turn to sing a karaoke song. He does so, and he doesn't leave. Hours goes by, and Bill Murray is just hanging out with you and your buddies, just ordering drinks and food over and over again. And he loves to sing one song in particular, Elvis's Marie's the Name. He nails that song, and then at the end of the night, he hugs everyone and leaves. That's Bill Murray. Bill Murray also is a Cubs fan. A couple years back when the Cubs were at the World Series, a woman went there to hopefully scalp a ticket. These tickets were too expensive, so she was walking back to her car, and then Bill Murray shows up and asks her if, he, if she wants to join him. They go to the World Series game, and uh, her only complaint is that he wouldn't stop ordering nachos for her <laughs> over and over again. And later on, the camera was like, you know, like set on Bill Murray and this woman whom uh, they thought was maybe a family member or something like that. Later on, the reporters found her and asked her, how do you know Bill Murray? And she said, I didn't. He just uh, found me on, uh, on the fence and asked me if I wanted to join him. And so I did. One of my favorite things about Bill Murray, one of the stories about him is um, when he's done eating at a restaurant, uh, we're going to figure this out eventually. When he's done eating at a restaurant, he uh, has a tendency to walk up to people's plates, bend down, and eat whatever is on their plate, and then whisper into their ears, no one will ever believe you, and walk away. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Once uh, Bill Murray was asked why he keeps doing this, and he said, my answer is simple. I want to wake people up. I want to wake people up. Come on, people. Wake up. 
Rise from the dead. Break the monotony. Today's a gift. Wake up. I find that most of my, my days are marked by sleepiness, a half-hearted, half-soul-filled openness to what life is really about, what today could really be about. I mean, this is why we have that cliche, live today like it's your last. We have the cliche because no one does it. <laughs> but Jesus was masterful at many things. One of the things that we see Jesus doing over and over again is that Jesus woke people up. Bill Murray had nothing on Jesus. This is what he did so well. A woman would go to uh, get water in the heat of the day. A man finished getting off of his boat fishing the same lake as he did the day before and the day before that. A tax collector heard that a teacher was coming into town and wanted just to see what he looked like. A paralyzed man hung out at the same pool that he did every single day, and he lost hope that he would ever walk again. And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up, and people were awakened. They were awakened through words of love and acts of extraordinary kindness, people came alive. And not only did their day change, but their life changed, their eternity changed. I think that's what Paul is saying to this church. He's a church like ours. He's saying, wake up. Don't waste your life. Live full lives. Break free from the undertow that's taking you away and let Christ shine on you. We see that when Paul says in verse 15, be very careful then how you live. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's like the, that's like the Bible's version of carpe diem. Seize the day, or as my seventh grade football coach would say, look alive, boys. Yes, I played football. One season, zero quarter. Look alive. Wake up. Make the most of today because the days are evil. They will put you to sleep if you let them. It's a sad thing that it usually takes something for us to be jarred awake. What is the thing that usually wakes us up the most? Tragedy. When something happens, a near-death experience, we're like, all of a sudden, we're seeing life differently. But I think there's something else that could wake us up, and it's the grace and the mercy of Jesus, God's presence in us, who wants us to come fully alive. There's something else that, that could happen to us that could make us see the gifts of life and to live it to the fullest. Grace is like Bill Murray finding you on the fence, hoping to get a glimpse in the game, and it comes to us without us deserving it and says, you want to go in? I hear they got good nachos. <laughs> this is Christ shining on each of us. So how do we wake up? Now, the Bible is not always uh, prescriptive. Oftentimes, the Bible will give us a calling and leave us to mystery. Or maybe sometimes the Bible gives us very directive uh, challenges. But what I find here, what I love about this passage is there's some great responses that Paul shares right after saying, wake up, rise from the dead. Okay, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to do that, Paul? What are we supposed to do? And this is how he responds. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always 
giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what causes us to to remain spiritually awake? What is God's will? First, to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? That means for us to return to God every day and ask to be filled with God. God, I want more of you. I need more of you. It's to, to long for God's nearness. It's a simple prayer. More often the better that God... I'm not done experiencing you. I need you. Fill me up. It's uh, what we find is that with spiritual life, the mountaintop moment in the Sunday morning fix is not enough to keep us awake, keep us alive. We need to turn to God and ask to be filled with God's presence. Like, give me this daily bread. And I hope those prompts that you get in the morning will help to kind of set the pace for that that we will be awoken uh, when we experience and are filled with God's Spirit. The second way we find here in Paul's words is to speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And notice in that word, Paul calls the church to speak to to each other. Like for us to be able to remain spiritually awake and alive in this world, we need community. We need each other to help us wake up. It's a help, uh, a help us not to fall into a spiritual slumber. And I love how we do it. It's through our worship. Through our worship, through speaking to each other with psalms and hymns, songs from the Spirit. Because what happens in our worship is we're actually telling each other the truth of life. In our worship, we're telling each other our stories. Even in the songs that we've heard today and we've sung today, this is what you sang to each other. This is what you sang to each other and to God. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will be my shield. He will be my portion as long as life endures. You sang that to each other. You also sang, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe, and out of the silence the roaring lion declared that the grave has no claim on me and you and you. This is, this is how we remain awake, is that we need to remind each other of these truths. We need to remind each other of the story that we hold on to. And as we do that, we wake each other up. So we are filled with the Spirit. We speak to each other with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. And lastly, we always give thanks to God the Father for everything. It's amazing that gratitude has the ability to wake us up. And I believe I had a a pastor way back when say, out of all the different characteristics that should mark the, the life of someone who knows and follows Jesus, above holiness, above righteousness of zeal, everything else, what we should be marked by is great gratitude. We should be grateful people. And what I believe there's a spiritual component to it that when we are grateful, it begets more gratitude. When we are grateful, it opens up our eyes a little bit more to see the next, next gift from God. And ingratitude has the, the inverse effect that when we grow ungrateful, we begin to believe we earned or deserve more and more and more. And when we do that, we fall asleep. It has that effect on us. So we're called to be grateful. We're called to, be, uh, to sing one in, to one another the truth of our life. When I think about this passage today, when I think about it, I think about these last eight, mo- eight months in my own life. I think about how we have not gathered together 
And I'm sure I'm not sure about you, but when I was at home watching worship service on my cell phone, I wasn't standing in my living room worshiping and singing to God uh, to the mockery of my children. I wasn't doing that. I was just watching the content, the worship leader singing into a camera. Uh, during these eight months, I've also, I'm not sure if I've been grateful. <laughs> this has been hard. Uh, and there it hasn't always been moments when I've been, been seeking God, being, seeking God to fill me with his presence and his nearness. And so I wonder for my own soul, and I wonder for you, to what degree we're spiritually awake today? To what degree are we feeling alive in Christ? What we find here in this passage and what the truth is, is that we have through God's grace the ability to have this life where we live from God's love, not for it, but we live from God's mercy and grace. And when we do that, we awake. This is why we gather in church. This is why we need each other, is that as we gather, as we follow Christ, as we come to worship and seek to be filled with God's presence, as we remind each other through song of what really matters in life, as we see all that we all the gifts of God to be grateful for, that Christ meets us and Christ shines on us. And we are awake in him. We're going to stand and worship again. As we do so, I just want to have a little bit of pause for us just to take account of our own soul. How much of your life is marked by gratitude? How much are you in need of God's presence to be filled with God's presence? How long has it been since you truly worshiped Christ? Regardless of how long it's been, or regardless of how much of a slumber you've been in your life, God's mercy and grace meets you today and invites you to wake up, to see life as it truly is. So let's respond and worship together.